once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 190 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded Thursday, September 11th, 2014, and available for download or streaming on Monday, September 15th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Jace. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hey, Skiffy. Kapla. So what do we have in store this week, Elijah? Captains, this week we trek out our interview from Star Trek Las Vegas with our friend John Champion of Mission Log Podcast. You can also check out our video version of the interview on our new YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash P1 Network. That's youtube.com forward slash P, the number one network. This week in Stone News, the specs and details of the Tier 6 intelligence ships have been released in a series of blogs highlighting each ship. Additionally, we have information on the new intelligence bridge officers that will have access to a whole new slew of powers. Lastly, a new blog highlighting the new Adventure Zone has been announced with details on what players can expect. And just when you thought Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, was through talking about STO, we have a special supplemental discussion regarding the intelligence bridge officers. Later, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you our listeners. And don't forget the Priority One podcast is more than just a podcast. In Terry Herman's debut article, we talk ships, specifically the cruisers of Star Trek and Star Trek Online. Check out this blog and much more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we've been getting reports that many of you have begun receiving your rewards from our Indiegogo campaign. So don't forget, we want to see you opening these packages and, and and showing off all the goodies you received. So share the excitement with everybody with tweets or, or photos on Facebook. Reach out to us and, and show us that you received those rewards so we can share it with the rest of the community. Well, Captains, let's boldly explore the Star Trek series with Mission Log Podcast, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Jumping places. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, I'm standing here with John Champion, the, the one of two voices of Mission Log Podcast. John, thank you for uh, for talking with me. Thank you, here on Priority One Podcast. So good to see you again. So Mission Log Podcast is now up to the next generation. Yeah. Tell us about this journey because yeah. it's, it's been a great journey, right? You know, uh, it's kind of a, a weird thing that we've. Uh, I personally have come to the Vegas convention since 2006, mm-hmm. and we launched uh, Mission Log in August of 2012, mm-hmm. so that Vegas convention. And here we are two years, almost exactly two years apart from when we launched The Cage, TOS, and then yesterday, Thursday, we launched our first TNG episode, kind of timed it out, stretched yeah. it by a week yeah. to make it fit. And it's really strange, you know, when we started doing TOS, we thought, this is Star Trek, this is what it's all about. And then kind of before we knew it, it was over. Yeah. It was like, wow, we, we just saw that entire cast do their thing, mm-hmm. and now we have so much more to go. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a bizarre feeling. Yeah. Are there, uh, in this journey, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure there are things that you've discovered about Star Trek that you didn't know before. Uh, what would you say is probably, you know, at, at that top of the list, something that you can remember of being a, a great discovery? That it, it, it's wildly inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's a discovery. I don't think that's news to anybody. Yeah, but yeah. when you do what Ken and I did, and, and Rod as well, he's kind yeah. of along for the ride yeah. there as well, and really try to analyze every single thing in order, mm-hmm. um, you realize that uh, for better or for worse, mostly for better, you have all these different hands in the production. You have all these different pressures on the production, whether it's 
the network, the actors, the studio, uh, fans, you know, whatever else, that all kind of have a little bit of a say in what happens. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's not just sort of by divine right that a producer, whether it's Gene Roddenberry or not, sort of waves their hand and makes everything happen. TV in particular is messy and difficult and dirty, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a miracle that anything ends up on the air at all. Yes. So when going through it, it's like, wow, you know, these really beautiful, incredible moments are almost there in spite of all the difficulty of putting the shows together. Um, the things that stand out for me from TOS are. Um, I would have to say that you know there's a consistency of message when it comes to certain things. The emphasis on human freedom, the emphasis on kind of a, a, a rational, skeptical, scientific look at the mm -hmm. universe. Maybe that's just me projecting, but I'll go with it. <laughs> um, and, and then how emotional Ken and I both were when we got to the end of Star Trek VI. That was an emotional thing for everybody who was a fan, but going through this systematic journey for two years, week after week after week, watching this in order, and we got to that last moment, and the signatures on the screen, we both, I, I got choked up, and I know that Ken was in tears. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's kind of remarkable. It's going along the character journey. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. Now, what what are you looking forward to most? Now you're at you're at TNG. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're going to go through all seven seasons? Yes. And then the movies? Yeah, then the TNG movies. Right, right. I, I think, now, we, Ken and I, we still have this discussion about, do we overlap? Mm. Do we overlap mm. the end of TNG with the beginning of DS9? Right, and if right, we do right. that, that, how do we plug in the movies to make it make sense? Good arguments on both sides. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah, have to yeah, see what yeah. really makes sense. That's fantastic. How's the community been? I'll tell you what is so cool about doing this show. We thought that, okay, when you launch a podcast, the mark of success is interaction. Just do people talk to you? Do they get it? And do they want to be part of the conversation? Right. And we thought, okay, well, maybe what happens is you launch the show and you get tens of thousands of people and they're, they're kind of somewhat involved. Mm -hmm. And what we found that's really great is if you've got 5,000 here, 10,000 there, but you get these people who are very passionate, you just get it. You just yeah. get yeah. what you're doing and they want to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. I love Absolutely. it. It kind of shocks me when people write in and they say, how dare you talk about politics? On it. Well, if we're yeah. not, we're kind of doing a disservice yeah. to what Star Trek was trying to do. Absolutely. But um, people are free to disagree. Ken and I disagree mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. certain topics, mm -hmm. but we always want it to be civil and thoughtful and insightful and yeah. respectful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, tell our audience a little bit on how, yes. you know, where can they go? Where can they find Mission Log? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and how can they reach out to you and, and be a part of that discussion cool. and conversation? Easy enough. Uh, missionlogpodcast.com. That's sort of the central spot we want people to go. You can pick up our iTunes feed there, download uh, the newest episodes as they come out, discover documents. That's where we post everything that are from the Roddenberry archives, memos, notes, letters, a lot of those personal things from Gene yeah. Roddenberry are there. Um, and if you want to email us, missionlog at roddenberry.com. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter and Facebook, Mission Log Pod. A lot of interaction there. I, I try to hit that every day and chat with people. Although while I'm in Vegas, there's yeah. not a lot of every day interaction yeah, yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 um, but it's so cool to be at the table and have people come by and say, I love listening to your show, or I love listening to your show because you're insane and I disagree with you, <laughs> but uh, it's all in good fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. you know what? This year, yeah, we both have to take home the podcast awards, the People's Podcast Awards. Yes. We both have to take that home. Yes. We, both, we have to represent Star Trek. I agree. Absolutely. So all we'll right. get it this year. So start voting now. Uh, start voting yeah. now, yeah. John, <laughs> right, thank you man. so very much. It's thank a pleasure you. always to be able to chat with you guys. Uh, Likewise, you know, the, the podcast is fantastic. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. This week in STO News, in an Engineering Corps report by system designer Phil Gorn-Gonzola-Zaleski, the brand new intelligence starships were announced. These ships are available to captains level 50 and up, and they are modified with these unique features. They are faster and more agile than non-intelligence ships of the same category less hull strength than non-intelligent ships of the same category, 
All intelligence ships have a faction-specific cloaking device. They can all equip dual cannons. All intelligence ships are tier 6, so include standard features for this tier. Since all intelligence ships are tier 6, they also include the following standard features. Scaling hull strength. Starship mastery passive abilities. Starship traits. They have a commander hybrid intelligence bridge officer seat. They have at least one other lower rank hybrid intelligence bridge officer seat. And they have the gather intelligence mechanic. These ships can deploy intelligence sensor drones with the ability to gather intelligence from your target, which makes them more vulnerable. During that time, one of three expose vulnerability tactics can be used that find a critical weakness to exploit, either in the form of a crippling debuff or a control effect. The three ways your probes expose vulnerability are as follows. Defense. A critical weakness is found and targeted in the enemy's hull and shield systems, causing them to suffer more damage and also clears all engineering buffs. Weapon systems. A critical weakness is found in the target's weapons and targeting systems, resulting in a crippling effect that will briefly reduce their accuracy and damage and clears all tactical buffs. Critical systems. A major flaw is discovered in your target's critical systems and a hold effect is applied, rendering them helpless for a short time and clearing all science buffs. After one of these three exposed vulnerability tactics are used, the target adapts and briefly becomes immune to penetrating scan debuffs. These intelligence ships have hybrid bridge officer seating options, combining the abilities of both a profession and a specialization, aka intelligence. These hybrid ship seats can also be used for regular officers as long as the profession matches. But if an intelligence bridge officer is seated in a non-hybrid seat, including universal seats, then the intelligence abilities cannot be activated. And then there are the starships themselves. Please note that all of these stats are still subject to change and are still a work in progress, especially the scaling hit points. Guys, why don't you talk to us a bit about the highlights of these ships? Well, before we get into the nitty-gritty and maybe offering some comparisons between existing ships, uh, there are a few things here. So, uh, you know, when Cookie first started reading the list that describes the Tier 6 ships, she mentions that there's less hull. And, yeah, there was that groan, right? The idea that these ships may have even less hull than even some Tier 5 ships. But but we all need to remember is that the hull strength, the hit points, will increase as you level the ship to 60. So... I mean, depending on whatever time it takes to level a ship, it's not going to make much of a difference to at end game, right? Once you hit 60 and once you max out the level. And it's important to remember that, I mean, sacrificing hull strength for uh, more maneuverability is a common practice in ships now. So it's no different than you right, know, right. different ships now. Because it ups your defense. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's still something that you are gaining even though your hull is going to go down. So that's number one. Number two, I was surprised to see that they actually announced what the hybrid slots were going to be. So a commander hybrid and then another lower rank hybrid. That's two hybrids in one ship. I don't think that's bad. Will it compare to having a lieutenant commander or, or a lieutenant universal? That'll depend on once we have some play tests with the powers of these new specialization bridge officers. But here's the other point, and Jason, I don't know if you can comment to this. So cruisers now have the uh, AOE effect, right, that was introduced with Season 9. Right. Combine that with these new intelligence vulnerability exploits, cruisers are going to be dealing some disgusting DPS, don't you think? Well, it's hard to tell. The Eclipse does have the comms array for weapon systems, efficiency, and maneuvering, which is a unique pair of cruiser commands. I'm a little surprised that it got cruiser commands at all because I thought that uh, the active sensor arrays powers would replace whatever ship class specific powers. Like, obviously, the Scryer probably is not going to get a secondary deflector when those roll out, but maybe they will. But it doesn't get subsystem targeting or sensor analysis, which are typically staples of a science ship. So I'm a little unsure about that. The Eclipse, if anything, it's not a heavily tactical slotted ship, so, I mean, that shouldn't be unbalanced as far as damage. I just was a little surprised to see the comms array on there when the Scryer doesn't get the science powers. Time will tell. Yeah. 
so why don't we talk a little bit about the ships chase why don't you give us just kind of a brief overview just kind of you know what what's the community saying about the ships i know that there is concern over the cruisers watching the community reaction through the official forums through the dev tracker responses and uh, on the subreddit it's a little bipolar i have to say there's a mix of folks who are like oh my god these ships are like totally underwhelming why would i go out and buy them for however many, you know, 3,000 Zen or, or whatever it turns out to be. And then on the other side is, oh my gosh, they're going to have fleet versions of these and they get a second lieutenant commander slot. These are totally OP. They're going to make our tier five U-ships totally obsolete. I think that the kernel of truth in there is that the tier six ships, when fleet versions of them come out, it looks like they're going to be clearly, uh, but just incrementally, better than the tier 5 U ships. As far as the specific stats of these ships, I don't think they're going to dethrone or make obsolete many of the most popular ships currently available. So I think the, the folks who maybe are not overwhelmed by the specific stats of these ships are thinking just of the specifics, and the folks who are saying, oh gosh, they blow away the tier 5, are being very abstract about it. But in reality, they each seem to be sort of similar to an existing ship with the modifications that Cookie noticed. Like the Phantom, I think, is very similar to the Defiant, but with the additional Lieutenant Commander Engineering instead of Lieutenant, and the Ensign slot being universal. I mean, the details are not identical, but it has a similar turn rate, the same shield modifier, a little bit less hull, like we said. Ah, the ensign slot. <laughs> yes, no ensigns were fired in the making of these ships. Every one of them has an ensign universal. Ah. All six of them have ensign <laughs> universal. You know, I compared this ship very closely with the um, patrol escort refit. Uh-huh. I thought it was closely related to that. I could see that too. I think it was the boff layout that caught my attention because that refit, although only has four seats, is a pretty mean ship if you spec it out properly. So we're looking at something I want to add to that, or at least with the cruiser, from what I read, and I think we talked about this a little bit before the show, was that even I, when looking at the cruiser, was kind of expecting more of a battle cruiser, something with a little more that was a little more tactical heavy. Uh, considering that this was the the first push into the right, let's just look at the lore for it here. It's the first push into the Delta, right? We're moving into the Delta Quadrant. You would think that everything was going to be a little more tactical heavy, as well as intelligence, right? So. Subterfuge with the ability to blow stuff up when necessary. And that was something I noticed with the cruiser, that people were kind of expecting more of a tack heavy. And something I noticed in the subreddit was that discussion about, well, you know, they're talking about having to get rid of aux to bat, but the only way that this ship is going to mean anything is if you use an aux to bat build. I can see where they're coming from that a little bit. And what you're saying about the tactical slots, it does have fewer tactical console slots than, say, a fleet assault cruiser refit or the Avenger. And the passive ability package it gets is the battlecruiser package. So I think it is riffing on that. But I think that it's giving up some of that tactical focus right. for its intel slant. It is a low inertia ship, pretty maneuverable, similar to the Avenger. Although it doesn't have the extra forward weapon array, it has fewer total tactical slots than the Avenger. The concern with aux to bat you know, the point of aux to bat builds is to multiply out how many effective tactical slots you have. This one has a Lieutenant Commander tactical, and then the Ensign Universal, which I think a lot of people would use as a tactical, which is the same as a, a Regent, right? But it has one less tactical console slot, so right out of the space dock, the Regent has an advantage over it. I guess the real question is, how much damage-adding potential are the Intel powers gonna have? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, the Phantom, its commander tactical is a hybrid, right? So that means all the intel powers you put into that commander slot are going to be taking away from tactical abilities. You're replacing tactical abilities with intel abilities. You don't have to do that on the Eclipse or the Scryer. You can replace some engineering abilities or some science abilities with intel powers. So I'm curious how that works out, but it is a little bit lean on tactical slotting if somebody has that as a heavy focus. But with the pattern that they've laid out with how the bridge officers work across these six ships, I don't really see how they could have made a non-tactical ship have more 
tactical focus than what they did because they seem to be following a pattern of a commander and a lieutenant commander of whatever the ship's focus is you know whether if it's a cruiser engineering if it's an escort tactical uh, a lieutenant and lieutenant commander of the other two professions and then the ensign universal so with that only the escort is going to have two tactical bridge officers that's the kind i would get what the escort yeah i you know i'm starting to change my mind about not getting a tier six ship (laughs) <laughs> I haven't Why? quite made up my mind, but before I was like, nah, I don't need one. The more I find out about them, the more I think maybe I will. Just one, though. Which ship? I haven't decided yet, but it's probably going to be oh. the escort. An escort. Is there only one escort, or is there more than one? Right now, yeah, there's only one. For the Federation. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. These are also some of our first official looks at the passive suites, which are by Starship class. So, you know, escort, battle cruiser, science vessel tactical warbird that sort of thing which are pretty neat like the battle cruiser suite is going to give you physical and kinetic damage resistance energy and radiation damage resistance maximum hit points but also crit severity whereas a standard cruiser layout is almost all defensive the battle cruiser gets that bonus to crit damage you know that's something actually that also got me curious you would think that when it came to the passive abilities that the escort would get the hull increase and the cruiser would get the accuracy or the, the, the crit chance increase. That got me curious because the escort, for instance, will get, let's say, a enhanced weapon damage, right? I get that one. Maybe the critical chance. Maybe the critical chance is the one that I would see work better on a cruiser and then the what is currently on the cruiser for their passive ability, for instance the physical kinetic damage or the energy and radiation, the uh, absorptive plating or the enhanced plating, that would go on an escort, right? Because escorts typically have less hull than a cruiser. So why give a cruiser more hull and less chance to do damage and give escorts let like, you see the you see the kind of like the mentality I have on these these passive abilities, right? These abilities that are designed to make the ship better and enhanced, I get it. Escorts, DPS, that should be its primary objective. But at the same time, I think I want my escort to be a little less of a glass cannon than anything else, right? I want to be able to survive the encounter, whether it be PvE or PvP. I want to be able to, to, to survive that encounter, so why, why not level the ship where at least one of the traits increase the hull, and then for a cruiser, one of the traits increase accuracy or severity or something of that nature because there's plenty of places for escorts to find an increase to critical chance or severity yeah you're thinking you know about what if they made the ability packages to help patch up the weaknesses of a particular ship class right whereas the actual philosophy seems to be let's further enhance the strengths but you know elijah that helps to better define their roles which i know is a is a soapbox topic for you no 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 what is a soapbox topic for me, <laughs> rant number one, is profession. So if I am a tactical officer, I want to do something tactically in the objective, in the mission objective. These DPS and log parsers that are out there right now, like not, they're all, it's all about DPS. It's how much DPS you're doing on. But it, it, there should be something that, that rewards the, the engineer and the science officer and or mission objective. So yes and no. Yes, it's sort of on my soapbox, but not quite really. It's it's peripheral to your soapbox. I gotcha. See, I've heard lots of people say, well, if you're a science officer, you should only fly a science ship and only do science-related things. And I don't. I fly an escort. I'm a science officer, and I fly an escort, and I don't want to. I don't want to fly a science ship. Uh, I would just like to quickly touch on the traits because it's also our first view of some of the traits that are going to be available. Which are pretty badass. Yeah, there's some pretty cool ones. I especially like the one from the Scryer, I think it was. Emitter Synergy. So when this trait is slotted, every time you use a tactical or intelligence bridge officer ability, you get a bonus to exotic damage, which, you know, we all like that exotic damage, meaning uh, things like gravity wells and, and such, and shield healing, and it'll stack up to three times. So this reminds me of a mechanic actually from Warhammer Online, where their healer class was also a DPS class. It was called a Archmage, 
and every time they cast an offensive spell, it gave them a stacking buff to their next heal. And when they cast a heal, it gave them a stacking buff to their next offensive spell. So this used tactical and intelligence bridge officer abilities, and it stacks up to three times to boost your science powers. I think that's really cool. A lot of these passive abilities are very handsome. I mean, they definitely enhance the strengths of the ship. But, you know, if I was a captain of a Starfleet vessel, I want not only to enhance the strengths of it, right, through consoles and modular enhancements, but then I also want to make sure that my weaknesses are patched. So as an escort, something to boost a little bit of my hull strength. But yes, regardless though, you can never have too much accuracy. So for instance, the Phantom has the the bonus to, to accuracy, which is fantastic. I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, who doesn't want that? Well, and you know, in that vein, the traits can be used with any ship. So if you had the pack, for example, and you got the battle-ready trait from the Eclipse. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you were talking about the traits, and I, I went back to the passives. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay, because it, it balances out. If you were, But if you had the Eclipse, and you leveled it up and got the battle-ready trait, you could equip that and fly the Phantom, and then every time you use one of your engineer or intelligence abilities, you gain damage and defense rating buff. So you're right, the passives are definitely stacked towards that ship's class accentuating its strength. With destroyers, I think really, as we've seen more than just these that are listed on Tribble, and destroyers really get a pure offensive suite. But we've talked a lot about intelligence officers in this, so we really should probably take a look at our latest dev vlog about intelligence officers. That's right, captains. Just when you thought you couldn't possibly fit more powers into your tray, here come hybrid boffs. Well, you'll still have room. Now, the blog, written by systems designer Jeremy Bordicus Cryptic Randall, explains, firstly, the difference between the terms profession and specialization. Ultimately, the professions are what you're used to. Tactical, engineering, and science. And all boffs, including the new ones, will have access to the same array of powers that you've grown accustomed to. However, these new hybrid boffs will have access to an additional set of powers in addition to the existing ones. Now, Alavera will explain this further in the episode, but it's important to plant the seed now. So, can you slot these bridge officers in any old seat and use their new specialization powers? Nope. Access to the hybrid powers are not only limited to tier 6 ships, but the seat has to permit for it. Additionally, you can't use specialization powers in universal seats, as Cookie had mentioned earlier. The blog goes into listing both ground and space traits available to bridge officers at the launch of Delta Rising. Now, we won't be listing each and every one for you, so I encourage you to check out the blog on the official Star Trek Online website. Now, you'll only be able to train Rank 1 and Rank 2 via an NPC, but how captains will be able to train Rank 3 has yet to be announced. So, Cookie, Jace, what powers interest you the most and why? Like, how do you think you'll use it in your daily gameplay? Well, for ground, my favorite is the frictionless particle grenade because, well, it sounds hilarious and I think it would be fun to watch. It's an explosive that will cover the area with an extremely slippery substance. Now, I'm not sure if the act of slipping around and falling will be shown, but I can only hope so. Because that would be very entertaining, and I have a feeling I'll be doing a lot more ground if that's the case. And it would be funny if it made everyone slip and fall, but I think it's just applied to the enemies. And if they're hit with it, they're not as resistant to damage. So that's more of a practical use other than just entertaining myself. So every time you throw the grenade, I want to hear this music playing in the background. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing! They really need to implement that. <laughs> Yakety sax grenade. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun to use. Actually, a lot of these look really fun. While we're talking about ground, I think I want the sight to sight and snare. This is like the scorpion. Get over here. You fire yeah, a tagger yeah, yeah. and then they teleport him to you. I love that. What I am noticing from the ground is that it's very kind of... Like, I'm reading it, I'm going, man, how awesome would it be if you can, like, sneak up behind a target and put them into a sleep hold and, you know, knock them out? Because they feel that way. They feel very kind of Splinter Cell, Assassin's Creed, kind of subterfuge, get behind them and knock them out before they can 
attack you kind of thing. And, you know, considering whatever limitations that an MMO has to offer, this is this is a pretty good answer to that. As for space, I really like the Torpedo Transport Warhead. Yeah! It allows you to beam a warhead directly inside your target's ship, and then it explodes. Yeah! And it has a small... That was used in a Voyager episode. It has a small chance for a subsystem to go offline. Although it seems like doing that would completely explode the ship beyond repair, but then that would be too easy. The idea of transporting a torpedo anywhere on a ship, I mean, unless you're putting it in, like, somebody's bathroom. The description says the command decks. Right, (laughs) so you would think that it's going to cause some significant damage. What if it was this? What if the transport torpedo warhead, if you did it when the ship was at a certain hull, like less than 65%, if you did it then, it would just blow up the ship. I mean, seriously. Or like an execute from other games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So if your whole 65% or lower, if you successfully transport a warhead, you're dead. <laughs> not not this subsystem. Yo, I, seriously, a torpedo warhead anywhere, it's going to be a little more than an inconvenience. This actually feels a little violent for a fan. Yeah. I was I was actually going to joke, but I didn't want to interrupt Cookie. Like, Cookie, this is so violent. How could this be your favorite power? <laughs> it's cool. And Skippy, <laughs> didn't you say it was on an episode? But, yeah, well, yeah, but it was only used in, like, the dire need. I don't remember what episode it was. I know they did it once. This was also used in the Independence Day. <laughs> and then, just as it exploded, it, there was the skull and, and crossbones. Evil. Well, I have to say, uh, for for Grins, Kinetic Magnet is probably my favorite. Resonating the enemy's hull, causing them to take greater damage from Kinetic. And then it draws in all nearby mines and targetable torpedoes, regardless of their faction. Nah, <laughs> that's pretty mean. So you could target an enemy that fires torpedoes and mines with it. If they just launched them, they'll probably get hit by their own. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. I mean, of course, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of the accuracy, the energy, well, the energy weapons, the surgical strike. These are really fun. You know, one thing that I enjoyed about these is that, man, they're full of babble. Like, they are really digging into the lore mm-hmm. to make these powers, right? Because some of them you've seen on episodes, but some of the others, it's some Trek no babble. Good. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm not complaining. We need it. Yeah, I'm not complaining. We want it. No, I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. It's just, it's, it's refreshing. It's really nice, you know? Like, ionic turbulence, surgical strikes. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. the flavor of them. I mean, I want to play around with them on Tribble. Space ones, I don't think we have access to yet on Tribble because we don't have access to Intel seats on Tribble, but the ground ones are available now. The uh, the next time somebody comes on and says, there's no Trek left in Star Trek, we can point them to these. Yeah, really, yeah. really. So, Captains, here's our first community question for the week. Share with us your thoughts on the new hybrid bridge officers in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO190 or in the post for this episode on the official Star Trek online forums. In a Starfleet operations file, content designer Sean Commander Ander McCann announced that a new adventure zone will be available for players starting at level 54. Located in the Kabali homeworld, your objective is to protect the locals from enemy attacks and you may be able to do a little exploring along the way. There are many regions in the zone. The base in the city, where the Kabali military have been set up, the countryside, where residents live, or used to live at least. The northern area of the map, where enemy forces have gathered together and set up trenches. And the East Mountains, which were at one time a peaceful place for locals to explore. But now everyone is afraid to go there because those who have gone never returned. Indicating that the enemy may have set up base there as well. There will be story missions and open missions. The open missions are continuously active in the zone and will have an escalation phase that will offer a further challenge and more rewards. But this can either only be triggered by a team or an extremely skilled solo player. These open missions are scaled by the number of people participating, but you are allowed two bridge officers to join you regardless if you team someone or not. There was something extra that was said about questioning why the enemies built trenches. Did you guys read that? Yeah, if the enemy's goal was to conquer the Kobali, why build trenches when they could assault from the sky? Like, there's a mystery here. Well, that's because the orbital assault has a three-minute cooldown. <laughs> that's awesome. 
I like the adventure zones. This is kind of like a new Romulus or a Nimbus where you can take down some of your away team, which I love because I have a pretty equipped away team and you know, some of the missions you can't take them on. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, and before there's been issues of whether or not if you team first, then you can't bring your bridge officers. But if you go in there solo and then team, then you still have your bridge officers. Well, in this zone, you don't have to worry. Regardless of whatever you do, you're going to have your bridge officers. Right, like in the Voth battle And zone. actually, if you're talking about the Dyson zone, that's actually a bug. It's supposed to let you have your bridge officers if you beam down while teamed. It just, it's just broken. And I, I see when they mention an extremely skilled solo player, I already saw people quoting that and saying, challenge accepted. So... There's a little bit of hype around that. Yeah, that's how you can know if you are a skilled solo player or not. On ground, I am not, but I would like to be. Well, Captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's jump to our supplemental discussion with Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, the lead designer of Star Trek Online, about the new intelligence bridge officers and the future of hybrid boffs. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. So there has been other announcements that we are expecting to receive in the coming weeks regarding Delta Rising and some of the features. One thing on everybody that's making everybody curious is uh, the new Intel bridge officers. Uh, what can you share with us about them? What type of abilities might we be able to see? Talk to us about them. So let me just explain a little bit how it works now that everyone has read the blog about the Intel bridge officers. So to be clear, we will be releasing a new style of bridge officer, and they are a, a specialization for a bridge officer. So an Intel bridge officer isn't just intelligence. He's a, he's a specialization. So you can get a bridge officer that's a tactical bridge officer with a specialization in intelligence or an engineering or a science officer with, with specialization in intelligence. So what that means is that this bridge officer has access to both tactical powers and intelligence powers, both in ground and space. And anybody can use that intelligence bridge officer on the ground and you choose, you still get the same four powers on the ground and four powers in space, but you pick which ones. So on the ground you can have any mix, anybody can have any mix of say tactical and intelligence powers or engineering or science and intelligence powers. But in space you'll only be able to access the space intelligence powers if you have a ship that has an intelligence hybrid bridge officer seat. So what that means is if you have this intel buff and you put him into a standard ship, let's just use tactical for example, if you put him in a standard ship like a Defiant, you'll only be able to access his tactical powers. So if you have all four intel powers on that pop, you'll have no powers available on the Defiant. If however, if you slot him into one of the new intel ships, like the intel scryer, then you'll have access to all his intel powers and all his tactical powers. Of course, only up to four, right, because you only have four powers available. So if you want to get full use of these bridge officers, you'll need to get access to a ship with intel seats. And the main intel ships, the Phantom, the Eclipse, and the Scryer, and then the, the equivalents on the Ron and then the Klingon side, they have commander intel seats, and it varies. So like the Phantom will have a commander tactical intel, and the Eclipse, which is the cruiser, will have an engineering intel commander seat, and the same thing for the Scryer for science. But the other ships, for instance, like the non-intel ships at Tier 6, like, say, the Guardian Cruiser, that isn't an intel ship, will still have intel seats, but will probably be more like a lieutenant intel seat, because its command seat will be a standard engineering seat, for instance. And so the bridge officer abilities, they're basically like Starfleet intelligence bridge officer abilities. And so they're a little Mission Impossible spy operation type things a little bit sneaky, a little bit intelligence gathering, a little spy gadget, James Bond kind of thing. So that's basically what those abilities will be like. So for instance, I'm not sure if this was covered in the blog, because I know we covered some of the powers, but not all of them in the blog, is the ability, for instance, like on the ground, summon a holographic decoy of yourself. Or one of the things that Sloan did in Deep Space Nine was one of my favorite powers in the set is a uh, feign death. So basically, you activate this power, and when you get to low hit points, it makes it look like you get disintegrated, but instead we just stealth you. And so, if you remember from Deep Space Nine, where Sloan, he was captured by the Romulans, and Romulans shoot him, and, psh, and he disintegrates, but really he wasn't. It's like, you see him in the next scene, it's like, he can do stuff, he's a spy. And so that's a really great little power. In space, you can actually beam a torpedo onto the bridge of somebody's ship. 
So stuff like that, really sneaky spy stuff that you can do. Even some things that are kind of feel a little like oil slick type things and stuff like that. So Jeremy Randall made pretty much all of those abilities and he had a really good time with those and very unique, very different direction than you've seen before. The mechanics are the main thing that I want to make sure people understand. There'll be, I think, a dozen new ones for space and a dozen for the ground, plus three versions of each like we've had before, you know, so you'll have like, you know, versus one, two, and three. So technically a dozen times three for the ground and a dozen times three for the space, but, uh, you know, about 24 or so individual powers. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. And so this is a framework for what we can do going forward, so where we can make other types of specializations for bridge officers. Doing them this way, we don't have to make a full suite. So if we want to make like a pilot or a warp core specialist or a counselor or all these kind of weird things, communications officers, and maybe they're much smaller in scope, but they just add to the existing, like making a communications officer, we could never really realistically make a full bridge officer as a communications officer. But as a specialization, and maybe it came with four powers for space, or maybe two or three for the ground. That's fine. You can just add that little package in. So it's a way for us to add little packages of varying size and without really worrying of being pigeon-held that, wow, you know, we've got to do 20 powers to make a full bridge officer. No, you can only just, you can just do five, and it's a new specialization. You can get a new specialist bridge officer. And one thing to be clear, universal seats will not work with specialist bridge officers. Universal seats only work with the career-specific bridge officer abilities. So you have to have of Intel hybrid seat to access these powers. Universals will not work for them. My immediately question is, why not open the Universal to something like that? Because we want you to buy the new ships. <laughs> <laughs> well, realistically, that would put a much larger disparity between ships with Universal slots and ships without Universal slots, so that wouldn't really make sense. Could you imagine every single Raider having access to every single one of those, right? Yeah. And the idea that you know we'll be adding more and more specializations in the future, and that just means that just raiders have access to everything. It just doesn't really make any sense. How will players be able to attain these new bridge officers? You'll get some in the operations pack, and you'll earn some in missions, but you'll be able to get them from the bridge officer store just like you can get other bridge officers, but you need to be level 50 to acquire them. So anybody can get them. But the really good ones, you know, the purple ones, will be mission rewards or in the, in the operations pack. Well, Al, again, thank you so much for spending a little extra time with us to discuss the Intel buffs, and I'm sure that players will be chomping at the bit to start experimenting with these new features. My pleasure. If there's any other questions, let me know, and I'll try to answer them. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, we open Hailing Frequencies now and see what's incoming from episode 189, our interview with Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, the lead designer for Star Trek Online. So our first community question was, Captains, will you be purchasing the new Delta Rising Operations Pack? What about the pack is most enticing to you? So on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, GL2814E writes... I'm certain I'm going to get the Delta Pack. Even if, the, even if those ships cost just 2500 Zen, it's still a huge savings on multiple ships. And you just know there will be fleet versions down the line. Hopefully they'll release more deal sweeteners before release, though. I am looking forward to the fleet versions of these ships. I think that they will be pretty, pretty good. Orangitis writes via the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Yes, it's just less that I have to pay for stuff I'm wanting to buy anyway. Eventually. That's right. The savings. And we're passing the savings on to you. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Anybody that's going to buy more than a couple of the ships, the, the pack's a better deal anyway. On PriorityOnePodcast.com, May Talk 1971 writes, I would buy the new pack if I had the money for it. Being as I am on a very limited income, I do not always have the money to get items like this when they come out. It was the same way when the Legacy of Romulus Legacy Packs came out last year. I would really love to get these. As for what makes these enticing to me is all of the items you will get in one place. You know, I had no interest in uh, Legacy of Romulus. I really didn't. Neither the packs. I mean, I played a little bit of the, of the mission series, uh, but the Romulans just aren't for me. They, they really aren't for me. But now Delta Rising, that's got my attention peaked. I am really excited 
uh, about going into the Delta Quadrant. You know, I is Voyager my favorite series? No, but I very much enjoyed it, and I think that there are some great stories to tell, and I think that these ships are very handsome, so I'm looking forward to it. Go Fosterno commented on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode. Nah, not picking up the pack. Maybe if there's a starter pack, a la Legacy of Romulus, but nah, the only one that catches my eye is the Guardian Cruiser. But you gotta remember though, you get all these ships and then you level them up and you get all these mastery traits, you can use them anywhere. So not only are you getting a massive discount on these ships than what they would normally sell independently, then on top of that, the upgrades and the duty officers, et cetera, et cetera, you're also getting the master traits for these ships. And, and that's something that can be transferred onto any future ship, even a tier five ship. And you never know, you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I really am, I'm hoping that these traits are only for these ships. Is that wrong? I know people are going to hate me for that. I know people are really going to hate you me You mean for that. there won't be any other way right, to get these right, specific right. traits? It's the only way to get them is through these, is through the... Uh, yeah, I think that's how it's going to be, isn't it? Uh, that's probably correct. I mean, I think it's going to be like the consoles. That's a that's a benefit of that ship. There will be other traits right. that we'll yeah. be able to earn. But these specific ones, like reciprocity... Yeah, I think they'll be specific to the ships. It would be a hard sell for it, me. It would devalue the sale if it wasn't. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who already bought it would be like, wait, are, are you serious? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't know that it's been absolutely confirmed that, you know, you can't earn these master traits from other ships, maybe even down the road, but hopefully it won't be. You know, like this is like the one chance to get that TR-116 rifle that you had when the game first launched from Target, you know. It would devalue the sale a little bit uh, if these traits weren't hyper unique, hyper rare. Woody Valley commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I won't be buying the pack because of two reasons. One, after looking at this week's ship spec posting, I found that the ships are not what I am comfortable flying with. I mostly fly 434 console slotted ships. Mm. Two, is I don't have 125 US dollars. Though I wouldn't go and say don't buy it, there is a place for the player base to purchase it. Yeah, there is. Just like for me, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't I wasn't interested in Romulan ships. I like Federation ships and, you know, I, I like the idea of the Delta Quadrant. This this you know, this could be for me. Our second community question is if the priority one team were DOFs in the game, what traits would you give each of us? Oh man, this was interesting. I liked this. I liked I liked how people got creative. Marques posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Elijah would be a con officer plus boost to cons. Cookie would be a tractor beam officer plus boost to gravitational pull. Ah, oh, I see what he did there. Oh, that's nice. Did. Oh. <laughs> slick one. Jace would be space warfare specialist plus chance to gain power when using weapons. More power. Unlimited power. Jafar, Jafar. And I like this one. Skiffy would be damage control engineer plus chance for temporal effect to go into effect when the show is posted. Love it. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a good one. That's that's epic. That's damage good. control. That's that's, that's just about right. <laughs> damage control. Let's uh, let's ship these off to L. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Cut, print, and go. The priority one lockbox. Priority one lockbox. That's terrible. <laughs> Cupan writes on priorityonepodcast.com. Elijah, entertainer, emotional, unruly, resolve, and cunning. Cookie cupcakes, nurse, teamwork, seductive, tactful, spiritual, very gentle. Jace, photonic study scientist, cunning, efficient, teamwork, and logical. Skiffy, systems engineer, resolve, efficient, logical, and telepathic. So Hippie John writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Elijah, Red shirt security. (laughs) (laughs) Unruly, stubborn, cunning, and teamwork. Yep, gotta take one for the team, red shirt. Jace, advisor, tactful, calm, congenial, teamwork. Cookie, entertainer, emotional, tactful, cunning, and teamwork. Skiffy, warp core engineer, logical, efficient, and teamwork. 
we all got teamwork because we're Yay. a team. Yeah, team. that makes sense. That's, yeah, yeah, that, you see, team. that's some smart thinking there. Way to go, Hippie John. It's so gentle. Bergens writes on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode. And thank you, Bergens, for writing in and correcting us on the pronunciation of your name. Skiffy wants to be an engineer. How about a technician? That sounds great to me. If I recall correctly... Cookie has talked about going to conventions in her medical division uniform, so she should obviously be a doctor. Jace has shown a great knowledge for ship systems and combat, so space warfare specialist. Ooh, two votes for that now. I think Elijah would agree that someone needs to make the nerve tonics. Bartender! I'm just yes. a I'm just a commodity. <laughs> That's all I am. That's, I'm noticing yeah. a trend here. That's great. <laughs> oh yeah, you are. You're a hot commodity, baby. <laughs> and then in some general feedback, we had Bazag commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. What I really want is the Picard maneuver. What? No, not the Constellation console. The emote allowing our captains to straighten their uniforms. A must for the uniform-loving Caspian Rising. Well, Bazag, you might be happy to know that this emote already exists. It's just under the name Tug in your emote list, but once you do it, it tells the local chat that you've just performed the Picard Maneuver. Sean Newboy posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks, Skiffy, for channeling sweet Georgia Brown. Everybody has time for her. Woohoo! Brendan Malone writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. The interview was extremely informative. Thanks for a great episode. Thank you, Brendan. Barthelm writes on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Gecko said he was somewhat confused by players wanting to be done gathering new levels or gear as he felt that's what an MMO primarily was. I disagree, especially those of us on limited time budgets. MMOs that sold us new gear and levels immediately outstripping what players had already worked very hard to get will find themselves with shrinking player bases. We like new options that do not immediately invalidate the bulk of what we already have. I think that's fair, though. I think that we have a compromise in the ability to upgrade the ships we already have, and we can see a little bit on Tribble, though we haven't gotten official information about it, the ability to upgrade our existing gear as well. And I did notice on Tribble that the new reputation gear from the Delta rep is Mark 12, uh, although one of the missions did award a Mark 13 console. So I'm getting a little bit of a mixed signal there, but I... I'm not sure that we're really going to be getting a lot of brand new higher mark gear. I think we'll have more options for gear like we have with Seasons. But I, I think we're going to be spending a lot of time upgrading things that we like the most. Which I think is kind of interesting. It's different than just like, oh well, do I want to replace my fleet deflector with a counter command deflector. At Captain Gecko, Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al... Captain Gecko Rivera. Oh, Captain Gecko Rivera. Tweeted directly uh, at me, and I deserve this tweet because uh, during our interview last week, he uh, he talked a little bit about this because this was on our list of questions to discuss, but we just, for one reason or another, just didn't get around to talking about it. And it's in regard to the effects bug going on right now uh, on Holodeck, where if you're in a very graphic-intensive mission or PvE map or Q, your effects, your your weapons, your beams, those disappear, whereas everybody else's you still see. And he did mention during the interview what he tweeted to me, which was the reason personal effects drop off first is because it's a bad bug and that it should be fixed with Delta Rising. And again, he did, he did uh, mention that to us during the interview, but it just was more... We weren't recording, and it was just kind of things that we were discussing, and it made it into the final episode. But um, uh, that discussion about the effects, but uh, but yeah, it's it's something that they are very well aware of, uh, and will hopefully have fixed for Delta Rising. Actually, the invisible weapons issue should be fixed uh, today. Actually, with today's patch that just went in. So last Thursday's patch. All right. So September 11th. Mostly server maintenance, but that was the only actual fix in the patch notes. Wow, wow. So even sooner than Delta Rising, they're talking about the yeah. graphic. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's cool. That's cool. Speaking of bugs that have been fixed, the Ryzen belt, flower belt, used to be mm-hmm. in like poopy colors only. Now it's the full spectrum of colors. I don't know when this happened, oh, but cool. I'm really enjoying it now because I can get the flowers to actually match the one on my head. And yeah. Yep. And well, I don't know about Romulan. Romulan's always has poopy colors, but for the feds, so that's good news. Good news for everyone. At Yuli Witness tweeted, 
finally found an STO podcast that's not stopped publishing years ago. At STO Priority One could use more noob content for beginners like me. First of all, woohoo! 190 episodes for the win, baby! Woo! 10 more to 200! Woo! Woo! That's number one. You just got mathed. Yeah, number one. Uh, number two, Yuli Witness, thank you so very much for uh, listening to Priority One Podcast and finding us and becoming a weekly listener of the show. Uh, again, if not for you and the rest of our listeners, we would not be here. So thank you so very much. Now, we started communicating a little bit on Twitter about the idea of uh, catering more towards the newer players of Star Trek Online. And that's where Cookie comes into play, because Cookie is actually a first-time MMO player. And our command school is not only structured for the min-maxers uh, and for the theory crafters, but we also want to cater to, to new incoming players. Right now, in the coming weeks, a lot of it is Delta Rising Heavy. But if you go to past episodes, uh, you'll find that we try to do our best to educate the players to improving their gameplay. And probably once Delta Rising releases and we have it in our hands to play with, for all players to play with, we'll go back to things like Command School to get a fresh perspective for players like you, players whose maybe this is not your first MMO, maybe it is, uh, but Star Trek Online regardless is new to you, and you want to improve your gameplay and make it better. So we haven't forgotten about you. Uh, just right now, it's just Super Delta Rising and you know covering as much as we can getting dev interviews, getting dev interviews, and getting dev interviews, <laughs> and just covering everything that's been released. So uh, so stand by, but we will, we will be sure to get back to Command School and help you improve your gameplay. And thanks for listening. Kapla, Warriors! That's for you, Jay. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or tell Jace and TeamSpeak. Well, that wraps up episode 190 of Priority One Podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catcher to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. Or by visiting PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. And remember, this week's community question is, what bridge officer powers from the new intelligence specialization are most enticing to you, ground or space? Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO190 or in the forum post for this episode on the official Star Trek online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One podcast because without it, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Join today. A very special thanks to Star Trek Online's lead developer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for offering us some additional information about Delta Rising as new blogs come out. And to our friends over at Mission Log Podcast. Be sure to check them out at missionlogpodcast.com. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineers, Skiffy and Ben Churchill. And to our QA support staffer, Midnight Shadows 7. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale. And to all of our bloggers and their managing editor, L. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. But, Captains, 
Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Cookie, nothing? you start. There's no introduction. No, you, I just... you, no, you introduce it. Yes, you just go. Okay. This week in Star, in Star Trek Online News. Oh, see, I knew there was. I knew there was. Okay. But it's not written down, so. I'm used to you saying it. I'm used to I you know, doing it. It's like James. All right, go. Three, ah! two. In an end. Oh, wait. What'd you say? This week in S. This week in Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> this happens every week. In an Engineering Corps report by system designer Phil Gordon Gonzalez Zaleski, this brand new. <laughs> okay, did I even was I close? That was it was pretty accurate, but then we all yeah, started laughing. Yeah, you were fine. You we just that hesitated you were... through it. Gordon Gonzalez Zaleski. <laughs> you didn't say anything wrong at all, but you did had no confidence. <laughs> Phil <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we not call them Intel ships? Because every time I hear it, I hear I just want to but Intel like me. Can we just call them? Yeah. Can we just call intelligence ships, please? That's your problem, though. This is how it was. I know, but it's just they're intelligence ships. <laughs> Shani goes from across the room. Well, maybe you should have written them that way. I didn't write them. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> Intelligence legends. Who did that? <laughs> oh my gosh! What? That All right. So clearly, well. Google is not that smart. <laughs> oh my gosh! All of them are like that. <laughs> No, they're not. Every single intelligence yep. says intelligence. Oh. Did you find and replace oh, them all? Is that what you did? Yeah, I did. In the I did. intelligence <laughs> legends. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that is high tech. <laughs> Are you editing this week? No. <laughs> yes, and I'm trying to make it easier on my lackeys. Lackeys, please. Children, enough. <laughs> what? What's going on? You know what's going on. I haven't done anything. I see it. What? Children, <laughs> enough. I don't see anything. Don't make me turn this hangout around. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's going to drive right past the don't entrance to Disney World. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> okay, but I see the two of you giggling also in the background. I didn't see it before. That was only when I got his invitation. That was it. Yes, I, I didn't, We didn't do it. anything. Don't make me turn this hangout around. I can't even see anything. I, I definitely want to be a master trader. That's horse. <laughs> they, need, they need a trait for. <laughs> no. Yeah, they call it unruly, bud. Unruly. I was going to ask, what is IIRC supposed to mean? If I recall correctly. I had no idea what the hell that was. <laughs> Jace is the person we always go to Jace. for the tween Jace texting description. Language. That's that's old school internet lingo. Tween, tween texting. <laughs> oh my god, I'm totally gonna vine that right now. So space war force. Ugh. Ooh, I just licked my microphone. My sock. I mean. Uh huh. That's a blooper. Jeez. That was an accident. <laughs> Doesn't look like anything bad at all.
<laughs> I just took a drink of soda and it started to come up my nose. <laughs> oh, it stings so bad. Oh, it's always bad. feedback. Why is it always feedback? It stings. <laughs> what kind of soda is it? Is it clear or is it cherry, dark? Cherry Coke. Ooh, oh, dear. That's, that's a bad one. That's rough. That's a rough one. <laughs> I hate you all. Very bubbly. <laughs> You know, that's a really good point. I mean, this game's been out four years, and that's probably one of the encapsulating moments of Star Trek is everybody pulling down their their costume mm -hmm. because it would ride up. You you guys must one not better. use the I think that I think that every often, time do you because Yeah, I was gonna say I'll go one better. Every time you stand up from a chair, it should just be an no, automatic. No, it's, it's <sighs> when you sit down. It's whenever it's you sit down and it's. And then when you get up, it's another pull. So you have to do it every time you sit I, down and you get up from an emo. Before you embarrass yourself further, I know. you should Why don't let you Cookie look? talk. Because <laughs> I was going to say, well, Bazag, you might be happy to know that this emote already exists. It's just under the name Tug in your emote list. But once you do it, it tells the local chat that you've just performed the Picard maneuver. I never See? knew that. All right. So um, Ben cut everything. Uh, except no. for <laughs> except for Cookie uh, explaining to Bazag that it doesn't. No, I think you should keep this. all them in there saying, "Yeah, we need that." I don't know anything. I played this game. <laughs> I n I never knew that was in there, and I consider yeah. myself much better versed in the game than Elijah. Yeah, you see. Oh, see? see, we need to keep these these things in there so that people will know. Oh. That Cookie knows more than someone. No, that's what <laughs> yeah. Cookie... Cookie's like, I knew something. UMFers didn't I for once. I finally knew something. <laughs> There's that tween speak again. Yeah. You what does MF stand for? You Multifunction? Mar martyr fluffing <laughs> people. Ow. Speaking of bugs... Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Right, 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 right. right, right, right. right. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Sorry. Yeah, yes. go ahead, Cookie. Okay. He was just ignoring you. <laughs> like usual. <laughs> so mean. Speaking of bugs that have been fixed, I don't know if you remember. Um, no, I'm going to read Nerf tonic, we Speaking get of, it. It's not working. No, it's going to be not fixed about eventually. Nerf tonic. It'll get I'm talking on the about list. bugs that have been fixed already. Oh, I'm Nerf sorry. Tonic wink, wink, not. hint, hint. The one on my yeah, I remember that. I had that problem on yeah. my Romulan. Yep. And well, I don't I know about Romulan. Really Romulan like always has poopy colors. I had that problem but too, and the then beds. I went to a doctor. <laughs> Dump colors. I told the witch doctor that I was. I'm sorry. Bum bum bum. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said to wait for to that patch, cause it's coming on triple. It's coming soon to Delta Rising. Oh yeah. Kaplaw Warriors. That's for you, Jay. Each week, our social media channels are bitty busy. Oh, oh man. Bitty. <laughs> oh, bitty. <laughs> oh, my microphone hit me in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez, oh, I wish. Oh, my God. Oh, right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. Right. A little bit lower, actually, right below my. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got the fuzz, the fibers. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm sorry. Well, warriors? It's in my teeth. I don't believe I don't believe in hauntings, but man, sometimes this apartment makes like weird noises. That was me. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that. That was me. That I'm was doing you. That right oh, now. that was you. Oh, well, thank you for scaring mm -hmm. the shillelagh out of me. I was You're like, welcome. what the? What? Scared the dump out of him. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Thanks to you, fleet admirals, presidents of the Federation, lords of the High Council, Tal Shiar masterminds lords of cobalt hear our prayer so say we all <laughs>